This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to The Reel Down on Paddle and Fin with your hosts, Dan Perry and Jimmy Skinner, where we talk about everything in tournament kayak fishing. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, The Reel Down on Paddling Finn. Uh, we'll give a couple minutes for everybody to get logged in here. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing pretty good, man. Everybody like and share it up and tell everybody, you know, we got a couple awesome people coming on. We're going to change it up the show a little bit tonight. Yeah, and this, this show is going to be a little bit more free where uh, if anybody has any questions, these are two of the best anglers in the country. Ask your questions because we're, we're kind of going to go all over the place a little bit about this year, the things that you learn, maybe some technique specific stuff. Uh, right, Adam, he whooped us in our in our little throwdown event this weekend up on Dale Hollow. Fishing was terrible, but big shout out to Eastport, uh, Eastport Marina and Resort. We stayed there, and if like I can't imagine a better place if you have a giant group of friends. And we stayed in this lodge called the Hodgepodge Lodge. The name is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's got like, you can literally sleep more than 20 people there. Ping pong table. I think it was eight bedrooms, five bathrooms, sleeps 25. It was insane. Yeah, and there's like rooms with eight bunk, four bunk beds in each. So, I mean, it's loaded, tons of bathrooms, hot tub, a little secluded. So, it's not. You know, not too much going on, going on. Good getaway. And so, the, the the houseboats, I don't know if you got a chance to yeah. check out the houseboats. Uh, I did some photos and stuff for them while I was there. And I went in uh, for anybody that doesn't know anything about uh, Del Hollow Lake. It's the, I'm trying to remember. I think Adam was the one that told me it's the, 
houseboat lake of the country or something like that. Like there's houseboats all over the lake apparently, but they rent houseboats here. And, you know, I've been on a couple of them that are older and, you know, kind of ratty, but I think their oldest boats like 2018, it had granite countertops, commercial kitchen appliances, hot tub on the deck. It was ridiculous. And if you've never been Dale Hollow, I mean, the fishing this weekend was terrible, but the world record smallmouth came out of there. It's just uber beautiful. And it's one of those places where there's not a lot of development, not a lot of houses. So it, you still get that good outdoors kind of feeling where you can be in your kayak and pee off side and ain't nobody going to see you. <laughs> you know, there, there's just no houses around. It's it's just a, a very cool lake. I wish fishing would have been better, but it's definitely in that, that funk. You know, yeah, no, they were all twisted up. Gene and Bradley, what's going on, y'all? All right, so without further ado, we'll bring on the man himself, the king, who you know, he should go ahead and retire kayak fishing after you've beat 14 other people in a throwdown tournament. All day. <laughs> He's reached the pinnacle of the sport if he hadn't already. Mr. Adam Riser, what's yeah. up? What's up? Yep, yeah, no, like the, the number one lake, lake to pee off the side of the boat on. There you go. And Derek Brumble. I mean, everybody, everybody knows Derek. What's going on, y'all? Thank y'all for being on the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. And Derek, you know, not only he, he didn't just beat 15, 14 other people, he beat 300 other people, and he got just got third in the KBF National Championship. Congratulations on that. We'll definitely have to yeah. talk about that. Thank you. Nice Thank job. Yeah, man. So how much did you end up winning? Can you tell everybody? Um, yeah, all together from the challenge series and the trail series and the national championship. I think I ended up with like, uh, right around like 10, 10, five or oh, something like that. That's awesome. So great. That yeah. doesn't suck. I was just listening to KBN and, KBN and Matt said what he won with everything put together. And it's he said it was like right at 60 or over 60. And I was yeah, just like, like Holy 60, wow. 61 something, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Do you get royalties off that since you got him going? No. Ah, oh, it's not even fair, man. You got to Oh, sure you, it is. I always sure say you remember where you came from. He should really write you a check. Yeah, a little. <laughs> I you know what? I, I'll tell you it's funny that you say that cuz he's always like, you know, cuz we ride together, you know, throughout we go all around the country and he's always like, "Hey bro, let me throw down some some dough towards, you know, your tires or whatever cuz, you know, I I mean, I think last year we put on like 19,000 or 20,000 miles or something. Um, you know, so he's always been like that anyways. I mean, but you know, him and I have been close since high school. We've been fishing together, but well, well, uh, now you know that he's definitely got the money. So, well, now I know. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, new tires, whatever. I think my wife is trying to talk him into buying us a fence or something like that. (laughs) That's how you know Uh, y'all are friends. (laughs) I think he built you one, right? He's a carpenter, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. He can build one. I mean, he can build anything. He's probably one of the best carpenters you'll ever meet. Um, But yeah, I mean, congratulations to Matt. I mean, that's incredible to go down and spend, you know, 10 days and win a little over $61,000. And that's, that's nuts. You know what I I'm mean? I'm not working the next year. Right. Like, He'll be working. Right. He'll be working. Oh yeah. That's what he said. Putting it right in the bank. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to his, um, his boss is a good friend of mine as well. And, um, his son is wanting to starting to get into kayak fishing. Oh, and, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly because that kid can fish. He's young. I, 
I forget how old he is, but he's he's young. And um, actually, he's going to come over and grab my uh, new Kinnear Frontier 10 and um, take that thing out and let it rip. But, um, yeah, he's he was like, I don't I didn't know you could win money. Kayak. This is my his boss's son saying, yeah, I didn't know you could win money kayak fishing. I'm in. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's that's going to be incredible. See him, you know, rise up because he's a good fisherman and uh, watch him. You know, come from the bottom all the way up. I guarantee you'll see Cove, uh, Austin Covell someday doing this, probably on this show with you guys. It's like you just heard it because last year you said, or earlier the year, or last year, I can't remember, you said to look out for Matt. Yeah. So now you're giving us a new name. Oh, we yeah. We got to take you seriously from now on. That <laughs> no, wouldn't take me too seriously. Because, <laughs> you know, let's, let's not count on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can count on what I just said, though. Austin Covell, you can remember that name. All right, so we'll we'll back it up here just a second. Uh, for everybody, if if you're living under a rock and you don't know who these two guys are, two of the best fishermen in the country, Derek, give everybody a little intro. Tell them who you are. I'm Derek Brundle. I'm from uh, Wareham, Massachusetts, up here in the north. Um, been you know kayak fishing for the last couple of years competitively. Um, I'm on Team New Canoe. I'm the uh, captain of the New Canoe fishing team. Um, you know, I just average dude. I love to hunt. I love to fish and, uh, you know, basically just hang out because I, I'm very, very simple. <laughs> there you go. Are. And Adam, Adam, Adam Riser, how about you, bud? Uh, currently live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I got into kayak fishing, uh, around 2012 when I was living in California and then shortly after that moved back to North Alabama where I grew up and that was about 2014 and I think 2015 is when I started my first uh, kayak tournament doing some local club stuff around the Nashville area and I've just been all in ever since you know hopping in the KBF for a couple years after that and making a push and seeing how far I could take that and then uh, 2020, it was all about uh, Hobie, and I uh, sprinkled in a little bit of KVF stuff here and there, but I just fish whenever and however much I can out of a kayak, and uh, if I was smart, I'd actually go hunting or catch fish that I could eat regularly, but I just can't get away from those brown fish, green fish, and spotted fish. That's right. And now, uh, with COVID, are you still, a, I know you, like, slave drive them people that, that drink beer on the carts and they have to pedal. Uh, do you still do that? Are you able to do that with COVID or are they just spread out more? Nope. COVID wiped out that job for me and severely disrupted my life. So uh, that the, the entire um, Broadway, which is the main drag, the main strip on downtown Nashville, that's just absolutely boomed the last few years with tourism and uh, a lot of cash money flowing on the streets for anyone uh, working down there. It, it's, it's pretty awful. So uh, nope, not, not uh, singing Miley Cyrus with the Batsurettes anymore. <laughs> Sorry, man. Well, uh, I hate it, dude. I was just gonna yeah, I hate to hear jump on. <laughs> Say that again. I said I hate that you're not doing it anymore. I'd planned on coming up there sometime this year after a hockey oh, you, game and finding you. <laughs> you'd get a kick out of it. Uh, Ashley Cheney, our club director, and Adam Gorell, those guys, uh, they brought their wives out on that um, one night, so they got to see me in full entertainer mode and see how ridiculous that job was but uh i would like I, to see it because if for anybody that doesn't know adam when you meet adam or you talk to him he's just real chill he's not loud he's just 
calm and collected. To yeah. see you pull a 180 would be it's complete. That's opposite. the only reason I want to see it. Just to like, it's, wow. it's why that job worked so good because that was such high energy. Like you had to be honored at all times, like 14 hour shifts. And then I could go kayak fishing and, you know, a place like Del Hollow have it all to myself. It's the complete opposite of that. It's serenity and peace. And uh, so I, I think they kind of balanced each other out uh, for, for what I had that going for a few years. Yeah, the so. perfect yin and yang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, Derek, I mean, we'll start with you. Uh, KBF National Championship. You want to give us a little rundown? I mean, me and Jimmy live here closer at Gunnersville. Tell us how you how you did it, man. How two guys from from out of town came in and, and whooped all the locals. Well, I did a ton of research, man. I mean, I I know it sounds like a broken record, but I mean that's probably one of my favorite things about fishing is going uh, someplace anyway. I don't know and like trying to figure out everything before I even get there. Um, not to say I didn't have any help. I mean, I I reached out to a bunch of guys that I know that are from down that way, uh, guys that have fished Gunnersville before, not necessarily in a kayak, but maybe in a bass boat or whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, just hours and hours and hours of pouring over, you know, YouTube and, you know, National Geographic and satellite photos and just all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, I ended up getting National everybody. Geographic. What? Yeah, man, you can, like you can search. Yeah, you can search anything on the internet, you know what I mean? And you would be surprised when you just type in Lake Garnersville, what comes up, what you can find in whatever areas, you know what I mean? Um, and not just Lake Garnersville, but anywhere. Um, National Geographic, I saw pictures of, I don't think there was anything there in Garnersville, but I saw pictures of um, like Lake Erie and stuff when I was heading out there last year. Uh, and just kind of like, I think there was something about how they were, they had something on the, the reef projects that they were doing out there. It's just little bits of information yeah. that you can sometimes piece together. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I mean. Um, the man's doing his homework. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do like two hours a day most of the time. You know what I mean? Um, so, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of research. I got, like I said, I got a really good um, tip from a buddy of mine, Jamie Broad, um, to go check out an area. Uh, I got there, there was already a guy out there, but I kind of built off of that and found a couple of little spots from that general area. Um, yeah, and, it, and when I ended up fishing out there, I was up in the north end of the lake, and uh, there was just really like three spots that I had. The first two that I just kind of relied on, my two primary spots, they were literally 75 yards long and maybe be a cast length across like i was literally almost i wouldn't say a channel but there was a bank on my on my left and then a real thick mat on my right and i used to just take my motor guide and i put it you know i put my pursuit right up against the mat and hit the um, pinpoint gps and just sit there and then i would literally cast like 75 times in just a 180 back and forth back and forth back and forth right and i do that yeah and i would do that and just lay out a fan the whole way because they were only in a very small area and it was only like two and a half, three feet deep. And it had some scattered, you know, like hydrilla clumps here and there. And I was using a chatterbait uh, when I finally figured it out. Um, but the first thing in the morning, they were, they were really, they were really eating a, 
white striped pink buzz toad, just like the buzz bait with the little toad on it, you know. Uh, they were hammering that in the morning, but it only lasted for like an hour at tops, you know what I mean? And then you have to start something else. But um, yeah, it was kind of crazy because I've never really locked down in a spot because the fish were very picky. Um, I threw th- two different types of chatterbaits. Uh, one was a Project Z weedless in that break and bream color. It's got like green pumpkin and yellow and a little bit of blue and some other colors in that. Um, and I would do that for like, you know, probably like. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 50, 50 casts, let's say. And then I would cut that off and I would tie on a white and chartreuse one with a gold blade. Just one of the cheap original ones. Uh, those ones are really good. Like I did very good on those in Florida. So I bought a pile of those cheap ones. They're like four ninety nine or whatever um, with a uh, Zoom Z-Craw trailer on it. And I would just do the same thing, like 50 casts. And once I caught every fish that I thought would bite there, whether it was an hour or, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, I would pick up and I'd move down maybe another 300 yards and there was an identical spot. And I would do the exact same thing there. Um, and that's basically how I fished the whole tournament was those, those two spots. And then there was one more spot way out by the main river that I had found was kind of just like a little back channel that went nowhere, but it was crystal clear, which was completely different from what I was fishing. What I was fishing was really dirty, you know what I mean? Uh, but this one, there must've been a spring or something down there because the water was crystal clear and there was thick mats on both sides. And, uh, I only went down there to chase on the last day. I went down there to chase one big one because I had seen a couple big ones in there. And like on the third cast, I got like a 21 on the frog and uh, basically caught that turnaround and went straight back to where I'd been fishing, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically how I fished the whole tournament, those two little spots. And I would just, I don't know, I make a couple hundred casts at each spot between those two colored chatter baits. And then I would go back to the other one and then back to the other one and then back to the other one. Um, sometimes I would spend two hours at that spot and not get a bite, go back to the spot that I was just at and catch 20. Um, and that's how I did it the whole time. And the first morning, the first spot I caught, no, the last morning, yeah, the last morning of the, of the national championship, I caught like probably 30 at the first spot. I went down to the second spot, caught nothing. Went back to the first spot, caught like 10 more. Went back to the second spot, caught like 10 down there. So they were, it was weird, man. They were just, and it was all bait related. When you would cast and you'd see a bunch of those little shad pop out of the water, you know, getting away from your chatter bait, the fish were there. You just had to buckle down and figure out which color they wanted. There, did you, did you lose any good fish throughout the, the three days? I did. The second day, I pulled up on that first spot and I fired out that chatter bait and I made it back like, halfway and like a four pounder smash that thing it came out mm. tail walking and it literally just threw the chatterbait at me like you know f you buddy i'm out of here you know <laughs> um, and it was like no that's not the way the day's gonna start and i cast it again and i made it back mm. and i was just about to pull it out of the 
out of the water and out from underneath my pursuit came a bass and just smashed that thing. I set the hook and broke off instantly. I'm like, Oof. oh my goodness. Short lined you. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I don't, I don't know. And it was basically my fault. I don't think I ever retired from the day from yesterday from yeah. catching, you know, like 20 bass, you know what yeah. I mean? It was like, my own fault for sure. I'm the uh, world's worst to do that, man. Do, do you um, think there's something to the, like the vibration? It seems like a, a good example is whenever the striking red eye shag came out, KVD won the classic, and everybody was throwing it. And then I, I think fish kind of got programmed to that sound, to those, you know, to that particular sound. Do you think there's something to maybe not throwing a jackhammer on Gunnersville, where everybody's, so many people are throwing a jackhammer? Doing that approach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk, you, I mean, you listen to the guys that, you know, kill it day in and day out, like Jody Queen, you know what I mean? He, he is an unbelievable fisherman. You hear him, he like will just burn a skirt off of a jackhammer, you know what I mean? And I hear that from everybody that I talked to before I went down there, like, oh, you throw a jackhammer, you gotta throw a jackhammer. First thing I did was put all my jackhammers away and pull out the, 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 I like, I really like that Project Z weed list, especially when you're in a lot of grass, when you plan on ripping that thing out of the grass. And that was the key. Burn that thing as fast as you could reel it. I mean, I was using an eight to one, I think it was eight to one gear ratio reel, and I would stick my rod tip in the water and just burn it as fast as I could until it hit one of those clumps. And then I would leave it there for a second and rip it out. And as soon as it came out the other side, bam. Um, a few fish would hit it in the open water, but most of them needed it to bump into that hydrilla or whatever and make that weird, like, brown dirt puff. You know what I mean? And yeah. and then that fish would be all over that thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's another reason why I did well with it down in Florida. Um because a lot of guys throw the jackhammer and that cheap old 499 has a, I mean, everybody knows it has a way different vibration than it, when you have a jackhammer tied on the end. Um, it could be up here. I don't know, but I mean, you hear it over and over, you know, it when works. they see a thousand jackhammers go by and something a little bit different goes by, they're going to eat that thing a little bit different, maybe because they're already programmed. Like you say, and do you usually throw a Z crawl on it? I mean, is that just, standard what you that like. was like i'm like oh man i was trying to do something different because that's all i could think in my head everybody's throwing like a diesel minnow on it everybody's throwing some type of craw trailer and that z craw is a little bit different i would turn it and turn it so it was vertical, vertical you know what i mean so those tails were walking like mm-hmm. this instead of like this um and i think that made a big difference too but um yeah i mean i when I hear that from a lot of people, when I'm doing research about it, I try to do the complete opposite to try and see if maybe I can, you know, go back in time, so to speak, yeah, and, right. and, you know, try and trick those fish with the same but different bait. Very cool. Hey, it worked out. Sometimes those little details are things that make all the difference and why you had a big payday, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I. I started out trying. I mean, everybody knows I love throwing an accent spinner bait. I love the spring ding spinner bait. Um, yeah. I mean, it's caught me a lot of fish, but I, I couldn't get a bite on it down there. I, I like, I could not catch it. I finally, I had to force myself to cut it off and tie, tie on a chatterbait. Just that reaction strike then, huh? Yeah, so. it's gotta be. I mean, that was, you know, the, that's the thing with the spinnerbait in the grass, they get wrapped up and it, it's more aggravating than anything. I think, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, when you can do the four wheel drive and rip that thing through the, through the grass, then 
it makes all the difference. And Adam, this weekend you were, I mean, it was a lot smaller deal, but you were using that technique. Whenever you said, I, because I saw a fish, yeah, like how you caught your fish were in 40 plus feet from what you told us and the, and how you won the tournament. And I saw a fish that deep and I, I nowhere in my mind, even though I knew of the technique, I've done the technique, but no, I, it did not register to me to do what you did. Can you tell us yeah. uh, like everybody we're kind of that. Well, a lot of areas are in that summer to fall kind of funk oh, right yeah. now. And stuff. Oh, yeah. Tell them what you were doing, how, how, how you took our money, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ended up doing long line cranking. Um, I don't recommend it. If, if you can do something else, it's, it's a lot of work. And especially from a kayak, it's a lot of work. Uh, but if, if you got to get a crankbait down deep, that's that's the way to do it. Um, and I only knew that that was a, a consideration or option due to my history on that lake. Um, and I knew that that's a proven technique there. Um, it definitely wouldn't have been something that I just would have guessed to try that day. Um, nothing else was working. Me and my buddy Mark, March one year, who y'all uh, got to meet uh, that day. We went out there on Friday. The tournament was on Saturday. We went out all day on Friday. Uh, didn't really catch much at all for as, as hard and long as we fished and as much water as we covered. Um, and then uh, on Saturday, again, we were camping on the lake. Uh, we had to take a, a third kayak loaded with camping gear, drove out to the lake on Friday, set up camp, fished all day Friday. And then the idea was, if we caught a good stringer on Saturday, we were going to have to pack up enough time to drive to the check-in and probably drive to get reception to even submit the fish due to the poor phone yeah. reception there. And we said that if we weren't, ha if we didn't have any like worthwhile fish come close to cutoff time around what, like two thirty or three or something like that, uh, uh, that we wanted to just keep fishing instead of calling it a day and then packing up. And so as the day was going on around, you know, getting closer to the noon on Saturday, I don't think we'd really caught much, whether we were kind of fishing near each other or we split up. And, uh, man, it must have been around, like, after one or closer to two or something like that. I hooked a 19-inch largemouth. But, uh, again, to answer your question, Dan, like, there's a bunch of bass boats. I would marked a bunch of fish suspended way off the point in 100 foot of water. Uh, it didn't want anything to do with anything. I tried fishing with them. I came back across that point because it did have the most bait and most fish that I marked in the whole area. There's a bass boat on the point, so it forced me to fish out deeper, which is what I didn't want to do. Well, I long lined across that point, hooked into a, a 19 inch largemouth, and that's the deepest I've ever caught a, a fish. That, that fish was in 104 foot of water, suspended in about 40 or 45 foot. And it was yeah. coming up to a crankbait that I was getting down to about 30 or 33 foot. And since there was, you know, about 12 foot of water clarity, those fish can see from a long way underneath the bait. And those Dell hollow fish are, are used to feeding up and looking up. And that gave me the clue that that's what I needed to at least try the rest of the day. Um, but oh, I ran into Mark. He caught, he told me he had the 20 inch smallmouth. I was like, well, dude, yeah, that's, probably gonna, that's probably going to win you big bass. I was like, we probably need to pack up just so you can go win big bass. And so I had, I had it back to camp on the way back to camp. I catch a, a 14 inch largemouth. We pack up camp when I'm going back to the truck, I catch a 17 and change largemouth. And I'm like, well, now I have to try to worry about getting back there. Cause I think that might actually win it and ended up winning it. We ended up 
not that it was a super strict like show up time or check in time, but rolled rolled up to the check in at the marina on the dot at the last minute there. So uh, it didn't go how I thought it was, but it was it was a very unique uh, way to catch fish. Only three fish out of a five fish limit too. One, so keep that yeah. in mind if that tells you how tough it was. That yeah. that's what it was. The conditions were not. I mean, the I would say the conditions were definitely more favorable. What Saturday the water temps made made them not want to eat. My yeah i mean they too warm. the pictures that some of our guys had of them in the little holes like you you even said it it looked like they were sitting up for their winter spots like yeah uh, right I thought that something was i would have never even attempted honestly like oh look i'm in 100 foot of water there's fish <laughs> half of that oh well i don't care like, <laughs> i mean that, you, you know it just shows that somebody who's so good mm-hmm. that that they make at the end of the day the cream rises to the top, you'd say, because, you know, you figured them out by the end of the day. Yeah, like nine out of 15 people zeroed. You had 50 and three quarter. Dustin Nichols had 39 and a half. And your buddy Mark had 36 and a quarter. So just to have three fish is awesome. And, and even people yeah. that don't know, I mean, Adam or Mark or Dustin, like these are people that can put it together anywhere. Like these are good anglers. Like, you know, I was feeling bad coming around the corner, you know, I'd call small fish and crappie. And I was like, man, this is, and then everyone I talked to was struggling when I finally got enough signal to pull up tourney X at the time. I think Mark was the only one on the board with two fish. And I was like, Oh great. Everybody's struggling. So it's not just me. So, woo. But, I, I, I think it was going to be tough for the entire field like that. There was also, tons of bass buds there's a couple tournaments or something that's going to be coming up there because i usually you can just about have the lake yourself out there especially a, a midweek if you go midweek but a lot of boat pressure but again they target large mouth the slot limit on the small mouth doesn't allow them to target that so yeah probably doing other stuff i'm guessing well going off of that you know we wanted to kind of just recap on y'all seasons and our seasons and stuff like that so you know y'all both had really good years uh, for 2020, you know, Adam, you had six wins and 12 top tens, and Derek had five wins and 50 top tens. Derek, you fished a lot. <laughs> like, when did I you not fish a week? In, a weekend, Derek? No kidding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but going off of that, like, you know, what was your favorite event of the year? Yeah, uh, Derek, if you want to start with that, uh, I'm going to say my favorite event of the year was definitely the 10 down in Kissimmee to start the year. Um, I figured you'd say that. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I mean, it's hard to choose because we had so many good events. Um, and then I would say probably very close to that was definitely Gunnersville, though. Um, you know, I, I was all in headed to Gunnersville. I had like, I took, we took 10 days to go down there and just find out what we needed to do. And, and at first it was slow, man. I was a little discouraged. I was like, man, I, I came yeah, to Gunnersville. When the pros were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I came to Gunnersville to catch fish on a frog. You know what I mean? That's, you hear. Everybody. Frog, <laughs> you know what I mean? I caught, like, two fish. One of them was big. One of them was 21 inches last day. And the other one was, like, 14 inches. That's the only two fish I caught on a frog down there. Two fish. Um, but we had a day during practice where Matt and I were just hanging out. We had pulled up next to each other, and we were talking, and, I was drinking a cup, a glass of water or something, and some fish started to blow up right in front of us. And it was like, oh, wow, this is cool. That's what you see. We don't see schooling fish, you know, up here in the north. They're all 
them to death, basically. But <laughs> um, no, I mean, we don't really see that, you know. Um, every once in a while, you do on some of the some of the lakes that connect to the ocean. You get the alewives that run up and spawn, and then when they leave, the millions of little baby herring out there. You'll see some schooling here and there, but. That came up like the classic Gunnersville schooling, you know, and we both had a little mega bass popper tied on and we sat there and wore them. We shouldn't have, but we sat there and wore them out <laughs> every cast for like an hour and a half. And I've got great video of it, but I'm not going to post any of it because it was just two buddies having a good time. We're yelling and swearing at each other and talking about this. So I was like, man, I ruined so much good footage of like an hour and a half of every cast catching bass. I mean, one of them was like 21 and a half. I mean, it was wow. on these little tiny mega bass pop X, you know what I mean? And it was literally every cast. And all of a sudden it was like the light bulb went off and like, this is what Gunnersville is supposed to be. Yeah. Gunnersville's like, as far as schooling fish out of all the places I've fished, that's probably the only lake I have that kind of look when I can find them schooling. I like this time of year, especially when I go down there, I always keep a spook tied on because yep. it's, it's the bridges just seem to fire up randomly. So I always like, like if I'm just going down there to kind of goof off, I'll, you know, hang around a bridge for a little while and you'll see, and usually it's like the white basket. It started and the stripe and stuff. And then you just start throwing the spook in there. And like you said, I've got a video from last year that, for a solid like 40 minutes, I just destroyed them on a spook and all sorts of different species and sizes. It was great. Oh yeah. I yeah. almost like that more than frogging on Gunnersville. I've got places on Wheeler Lake. I can go if I want to frog fish. I mean, Gunnersville frog fishing is fun, but I, you know, there's other ways to do it out there. Obviously. <laughs> yep. No doubt. Matt wore him <laughs> out on a spook. I mean, that was his go-to for the first few hours of the morning. That's what he caught like all of his big fish on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the spook just wasn't working where I was, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they wanted to heat that buzz toad, and that was it. And, and like I said, an hour max, and then it was done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back to what I was saying, the the 10 was awesome just because of the whole experience and, yeah, uh, you know, the mansion and the whole nine yards of being there, and they bring in the food, and you got all the camera crews around. And um, Although I will say, the very first time, <laughs> you guys are probably gonna laugh at this, but I've never owned an A rig ever. <laughs> I went to I went to Gunnersville and I, I saw went, them thrown. I went yeah. into water. I went into waterfront tackle. I'm like, oh hey, check this out, A rig. You know what? I'm gonna buy one. I bought one. I rigged it all up, and I'm looking at the thing like, man, this thing is stupid looking. And then I went out there. I went out there on the main river when they started draining all that water out, and it started really ripping out there. And I pulled up on the first drop, and I fired that A-Rig out there, and I didn't get three cranks in the handle, and that thing folded over. I got like a 19 on it. I'm like, I love this thing. I never, I never cast it like after that day. <laughs> I don't like. I I can't use them up here. You know, we can't use them in the north up here. Oh really? Yeah. yeah you can only have like yeah. one hook on it Single or something hook. like that, or yeah. two hooks or something. It defeats the purpose, I think. But yeah, um, it was awesome. It was a cool experience to to throw it out there and actually see it work. And the first cast, it was like, all right, I'm hooked. I yeah, come back I'm here so I can again. Most <laughs> people, that's their first experience with the A rig. I, I'm, I'll never forget my first one. I threw it on a medium heavy. Cause I bought one 
I was like 16, bought one, had one rod with me. He's like, I want to see how this thing works and see what it's like to catch a fish on it. And like literally, like you said, doubled the rod over. Oh, yeah. You know, the hit was insane. It was, I still love throwing it occasionally, but it wears my shoulder out. Like, oh, I bet. Oh, Lord, it wears my shoulder out. What about <laughs> you, Adam? What was your, what was your best event or favorite event of the year? Oh, yeah. There, there's a couple that I could call. What's up, Corey Steve? I see y'all in there. Um, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with the Hobie Kentucky Lake. That that was my big one, and that was the one when the schedule was announced early in the year or late last year that I had that one circled on the calendar more than any other one. Um, I knew, given the I believe it was first week of June, not uh, being some other boys know what them fish do around that time and uh, know how to exploit that bite, and so I had a very specific game plan. Um, pretty much executed it both days exactly how I wanted to go and fish clean and you got to fish clean to uh, finish at or near the top and uh, I didn't miss any fish that would have helped me um, Jody still got that number one spot and uh, he, he got me by an inch on that one and correct me if I'm wrong Corey but it would your 10th uh, fish have won it maybe so Corey was right there too um, but that one stood out just because things went right and, and it was a game plan. It wasn't a, a, a fish by the, you know, by the fly is go in there and execute. And it's always nice and rewarding and a confidence builder whenever you can do that. Um, so definitely that one, um, the Kentucky Lake Hub one is the one that stands out to me. Yeah. I'm, I want to hit Kentucky Lake when it's good. We went up there, uh, maybe a while. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you paddled for that event too, right? Yeah, luckily I was I was fishing shallow. Like, I mean, I pretty much paddled all year. I, I even when I could have used a motor this year, I didn't have one uh, to use for reasons I won't bore you with. But I mean, I was fishing in super super skinny water for for parts of that tournament, like stuff where most boats wouldn't even be able to really move around in. For anybody that doesn't understand how shallow this guy fishes, uh, <laughs> I was hollering at Matt Stewart. Uh, one day up there at hook one and he was talking about all the plastic welding he had to do to the bottom of your boat because you basically <laughs> drug the bottom of the boat off. <laughs> yeah. And that's the boat this that is... you were carrying all the packing, the camp gear in, wasn't it? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I can't answer that question. So maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> ask me off camera and I'll, I'll elaborate on that, but may, maybe that was the boat. But now I'll tell you what's for sure is that Matt Stewart did do a hell of a job on uh, patching up my boat uh, multiple ways. Like he just went above and beyond for me this entire year, and uh, hated to see that uh, he was managing the the hook one Murfreesboro, and hated to see that uh, that got that rug got pulled up from underneath him because he, he was doing such a good job for myself and yeah. other anglers yeah. in the community. But yeah, I beat the hell out of that boat for sure. Yeah, you did. <laughs> well, heck yeah, man. Well, uh. Well, Adam, you had a great question. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you ask it. Yeah, so I'm a tackle junkie. I'm a lure nerd. I like staying ahead of the trends on like techniques and lures, and uh, you catch yourself looking a lot at the JDM market when you go down those routes. But um, getting towards the end of the year, end of the season, I find myself asking my buddies like, "Hey, what was the lure, the bait, the technique that stood out for you this year?" Uh, that it doesn't mean it was like your number one money winner, but maybe it was the one that inspired confidence. Maybe it was your money winner. Like what was your, the, your number one technique or lure in 2020? You want me to start or? Yeah, go ahead. Um, 
I was thinking about the other day, and I, and it was two lures for me. It was the first half of the year. I, I want to say it was the swim jig. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of experience throwing it, or but the just the conditions called for it. And it ended up that that's that's what got Kentucky like for me. But when those fish are up shallow around the spawn, uh, it won some local club event stuff and. Uh, it just got it done, and then I think after the spawn was done, the rest of the year buzz bait. Uh, Derek, you mentioned those accent spinner baits, which I'm a huge fan of. Do you like their buzz bait too? The accent buzz. I do. Bait? Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. That dude, that the full side, their their finesse one's really great too. But that full size <laughs> one, shove a toad on that thing. Yep. That 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 was my bread and butter, and still is right now as far as the season goes. So those those would be the two for me. Nothing special, outrageous. Those are just tried and true, you know, old school things. But boy, they sure did work. I I, I like the greenfish tackle toad toter. That's kind of my the, oh, no, the that that's uh, first I used a dirty jigs one, the uh, Scott Canterbury one. That one it, it worked okay. Uh, but that, is the greenfish that, screw on? No, uh. Uh-uh. No, it's it, it's just you put it up, you know, over the lead weight yeah. on it, on the hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I need to. I need to advance my buzz bait game. Uh, I've gotten almost completely away from throwing a buzz bait. Then I'm, I'm the buzz bait. like open water. It's either the cavatron or the jackall firecracker. And I cut off the the clacker on it because then it gets too loud. But that's that one's a little bit smaller. I heard that accent, the finesse one. That that one's the jam too. I, I haven't used the small yeah. one. That, that's supposed to get a ton of bites. But yeah, that, Cody Melton oh, put me on that one. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah, I throw that on a spinning rod a lot of the times. Really? Um, yeah. I mean that that thing when they're being finicky, they bite that. They can't not bite it. I don't know what it is about that thing, but um, that finesse one is fire when they're being finicky. Mm-hmm. Steve caught a ten on a plopper. <laughs> No way! You caught no, he caught with... ten. Caught t- oh, oh! <laughs> I had a ten pounder. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Mississippi. I, I can't read. <laughs> hey, it's Steve. I but he. I know he lives around the big ones. He sure has enough on yeah. jump off the end of his line. I was hoping he finally landed one. Yeah, yeah, I saw them bass guys were up on chick today, and it looks like the the frog bite was kind of going a little bit up there. Yeah, but Jimmy, what just... what was your technique this year, man? I don't know if I can really say if I had one. Uh, so usually I focus on like one lure a year to get better at. And then this year I kind of just went all crazy, tried all sorts of new stuff, you know, tried to get more familiar with a drop shot and doing different things with a drop shot, whether it be going from the smaller hooks and nose hooking to trying like the owner cover shot hooks and using a different style bait uh, or kind of power fishing it a little bit versus other techniques. Uh, I started picking up more jigs than normal. Uh, you know, I, I like finesse jigs a lot. So I started trying to throw like bigger profile jigs. Uh, I threw the swim jig a lot this year, which is new to me and it works because I, I like fishing a lot of moving water. And, and a guy put me on that and said that he likes just burning them through moving water all the time. And I, I went out one trip and that's all I threw. And I mean, and it worked. And it, so it's, more stuff for me to advance on. But if I had to say there was like one technique that just worked this year is I I love throwing Texas rig and I'll throw it tons of different baits, tons of different ways and sizes and places. And like this year I threw it in, you know, most people you think like when you first get in fiction, get into fishing, you're 
taking a Texas rig and throwing it on the bank or throwing it at a tree or, you know, something like that, man. I threw it, I threw it in heavy current with a different style weight to get down in the holes in the bottom of the current. You know, I was skipping, you know, under boat houses with it. Uh, just all sorts of stuff, man. I just, I kept it in my hand a lot more this year and I could like something I like when I'm not comfortable with a technique, like, like I don't throw a shaky head. It's something that I've talked about before, like on the noob show is I've made it a point where if I'm fishing with somebody and they are getting on a shaky head bite because I have no confidence in it, if they're catching them on a shaky head, I can catch them on a Texas rig, you know, and I just, I try to, I try to adapt. So that's kind of what I did this year is like, if I was fishing with some buddies and they were getting on it with one way, I would try to get on it in another way. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't really one for me. It was just a lot of, you know, trying to better multiple different things. Sure. And it, I'll probably pick like, like something that I don't fish ever. I was telling this to Dan, I don't fish a Ned rig. And I'm told him, I want him to take me out one day. We're probably going to do it in a couple of weeks. That's the only thing I'm going to take with me. And I'm, I'm going to learn the ins and outs of that because it's something that you could get a limit with quick. You know, that's half the battle in most tournaments is, you know, getting five fish, you know, that way you can start branching out, searching for better bites. So that'll probably be the, the off season bait to work on for me is slowing down and downsizing the profile to the old deadly Nedley. See where I can go from that. Sometimes it'll, it'll just catch them like nothing else will. I don't, I don't know what my deal is with it. I just don't like, cause I can, I, I consider myself a finesse fisherman, but I just don't have the patience for that thing or something. I don't know. I just have never had any luck with it, but I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to learn it this year. We'll get you right, man. Heck yeah. Derek, <laughs> how about you, man? Um, I've been, you know, basically this year has been, I shouldn't say this year because it seems like I have three like strong, you know, very confident baits that I fish all the time. Number one is probably that accent spinner bait, man. I'm that, I don't know what it is, but I seem to have like a connection with that thing. <laughs> I own, I didn't even, I, I should buy stock and accent spinner bait because I own so <laughs> many of those things. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I mean, I, I think, I think in a world where there's so many jackhammers running around, that little bit of difference in that spinner bait just, is is killer for me, um, especially up here. But um, the accent spinnerbait isn't always the spring ding. Yeah, I mean ninety ninety nine percent of the time I'm oh, really to tie that spring ding on. Yeah, man, that little pink uh -huh. kicker blade on there, um, or the river special, one of the two. Um, okay. I'm right. Yeah, that that um, that spring ding. I mean, it's got a really light wire to it. You got to be really careful because yeah. you can break them quite often if you're an idiot like me and your boat flipping four pounders. Um, <laughs> you tend to break that wire where the where the line tie is because it's such light wire. But it's what gives it the action that I think makes it so deadly. You know, um, and then um, I really I found this swing. I I'm like one of those swim bait junkies, you know what I mean? And I found this inexpensive swim bait um, that absolutely murders them. And it's made by the Black Dog Swim Bait Company, I think. And it's called the Shellcracker. Um, and they've got one which up here in the north, I mean, bluegill is a huge forage for the bass. We don't have shad or anything like that up here. You get you know, river uh, herring and stuff like that. But this, they've got this one. I wish I 
brought it up here to show you to you, but it's, uh, I think it's like five inches and it's, um, I think it's two pieces and it is just like an insanely good duplication of a sunfish or a bluegill or whatever you call it in your neck of the woods. But the bass just destroy those things all time of the year. I mean, most of the time swim bait is, you know, like the pre-spawn and all that, but up here it's, it's brutal all year on them. And, um, probably the, the old standard, I mean, I've probably done some shoulder damage, but, um, you know, that mega bass vision 110, either the plus one or the regular 110. I mean, I wear them out on that thing for about five months out of the year. And, uh, uh, I don't even know how much money I've won with them. One of those, um, I mean, those things are, they're expensive. Don't get me wrong, but keep changing the hooks on them and you can throw those things. So the paint's gone and then they still catch fish after that. So do you throw the plus two? I haven't yet. I mean, I, I don't really have a lot of deep lakes around here. So that plus one is like the, the money shot up here. I mean, it's like you get on a drop off, it's like 10 to 12 feet and that plus one will catch every fish that's there. And then you have to literally leave and go somewhere else because there aren't any left to bite. Yeah, that that's on my that's probably number two on my list. You know, Ned Rig, get it dialed down first, and then I want to figure out how to throw a jerk bait because it just it looks like fun fishing. So, oh, it's, it's a blast! It's awesome. that's, that, yeah. that's definitely one of my weakest techniques. That that for some reason that jerk in action just you know I don't it's know stuff from a kayak. Yeah. yeah. So and I adapted that a little bit. I mean, I, you know, ninety nine percent of the people you see throw a jerk bait on a bait caster. I throw on a spinning rod exclusively. I would never tie one of those on a bait caster ever in my entire life. I'm ever. Just going to ask that. Yeah, yeah and, and and I do it a little bit differently. Um, I don't tie any of these crazy FG knots or anything or anything like that. I basically will tie on like a three foot long, twelve pound test. I like Sunline fluorocarbon. Um, especially their leader material, because uh, it's a little bit stiffer, but uh, 12 pound test, like three feet long. And I go to a little tiny Spro power swivel, the smallest one they make, like 50 pound oh, test okay. or whatever. And then I run 15 pound braid to that. Um, and then literally that's on a, like a medium heavy spinning rod. Set your drag a little bit light to absorb the shock because the hooks on those are, they're pretty light wire. Um, so you got to be careful about bending them out, but you set your drag right. I mean, those things on that spinning rod are just deadly and you don't, it, I don't know. It's just much easier to control the bait, especially in the wind. Um, and then that little bit of braid to, to floor connection is I think the key for getting every bite that you get instead of missing some of the fish or whatever that, that braid takes up of that, that stretch and really, really sets them hooks home. Gotcha. Check that out. What well, you, I mean, the biggest fish I caught this year, I caught on a Nico rig. So I, I guess I've got to say that the um, I, I throw it on, you know, spinning setup. I have a seven four medium to twelve pound braid, eight pound fluorocarbon. I, I like Seaguar and Bizex sunlines, obviously great too. Um, but I, I'm, I've kind of just went real super simple. I use the VMC weedless Nico hook. I think it's a number one. And then, the mono, like the little mono. Yeah, the weed little little yeah, I don't like the metal ones, like where they sit on the, the barb of the hook. I, I'm just mm -hmm. not a big fan of that. But the weedless ones, with, with that rig, and like almost all the time, I throw just a bang stick, the Z-Man bang stick, and I use the shroom weights. 
either the lightest one for 10 feet and less. And then I don't remember the weight. I think it's one twentieth, and then one fifteenth is for 10 feet or more. And you can take out a weight. If you're fishing, like you can keep them in your pocket. And if you get to deeper water, you can take out the weight and yep. put in another one. I mean, it kind of tear up. You can't, you can only do that once with a, a bank stick, but smelt for super clear water, the deal for anything with normal water and then black and blue just for, for dirty water. But it's so like you can use it as a shaky head. You can skip it. You can, it's just so versatile that it kind of takes up a lot of, if, if you're one of those people and you only carry four rods to have that in your, you know, to carry that be one of your rods, you, you'd be hard pressed to go wrong there because it, it can do so many different things. So I got to say this year, this year for me was the year of the Nico. So, yeah, yeah I call I, I use, I don't even know why I didn't mention it. I use that. I go back and forth between that and a wacky rig, like every trip. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but something you use a pretty light line on it. I actually hey, tend to yeah. throw it heavier because I throw it in some really, really sketchy places. That's I, throw, That's I throw 10, 10 braid to 12 FC sniper. Yeah. And Mine's uh, 12 braid to eight fluoro, but yeah. I, I just don't have any problems with that cigar. I mean, I, I, I throw it, I throw it in gnarly stuff like all, you know, on the outside laydowns and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not afraid. Are you using Invisic? Yeah. Yeah. I've not, Which I, I, I want to say on the dugout, I fished the dugout tournament. I've got some cigar tattoo coming from Steve Owens. He, uh, I won some $25 tournament and I won $50 worth of a spool of line. So if you're coming down to the South, definitely sign up for a dugout tournament. They had October, they're doing November and December too. And then with a, uh, you know, people who do the best, there's going to be a championship in January, but ton of prizes. If you're coming down to fish chick for the bass event, don't miss out on that because even if you don't win any money, like I haven't this month, I've been terrible this month for some reason, but the, um, yeah, tons of giveaways. So a little shout out there to the dugout. Heck yeah. Yeah. But I want to say another thing with the swim jig, something I don't see many people do down here on the Kusa. It kills. If you go to dead mats and you get a quarter ounce swim jig, cause I love a swim jig. I mean, it's Coosa, they like Dirty Jigs has a Coosa River, uh, you know, uh, swim yeah, staple jig. Staple there. Like, yeah, exactly. You put like a twin tail grub on there, a quarter ounce weight, and you just slow roll it over mats, almost like a frog. I don't know why that works, but like anywhere here in the South, I've had a lot of luck with that. Like, so for me, a swim jig is like a four season bait. You can throw it all year. I mean, the I guess three because like deep, dark, cold winter it sucks yeah. but once you pass like the solstice i guess you'd say on the other side of that you start throwing it over those dead mats and i dude i have caught some monsters doing that yeah so, i'd agree a little I'd something agree. for me uh hey uh steve want to know what's that swim bait you said was it black dog yeah i believe this was a black dog bait company or something like that it's called the shell cracker yeah. um you can you can find them there's a local tackle shop that i found about mgc tackle um, in Hanover, Massachusetts, that's where I got mine. They they've got a whole pile of them up there. I thought uh, Reaction Innovations. They have one called Sungill, and it's it's the same deal. That's a been a great color for me in the past. Yeah, those are a four. You know, I mean, I I own I don't know how many swim baits, two hundred, three hundred dollars swim baits. I own tons of them, but this thing's like forty five bucks. You know what I mean? So it's it's fairly inexpensive. 
Um, and it straight out murders him. I mean, they they destroy that thing. Well, that's Did why you pick up smells swim baits. What's that? I said, and that's why your boy here is not throwing swim baits. <laughs> that's a rabbit hole I can't afford to go I, down. I, you know, I like to fish at night a lot, so I own some Johnny rats. I mean, um, I mean, those things are incredible. You catch them all night on those things. Uh, I mean, I look I at those like two hundred bucks. You know, oh, they're yeah, beautiful. I've, they're I've got beautiful. a buddy. I've actually two buddies. Uh, Matt Stewart's one of them that are deep, deep lost in that swim bait game. And I look, they're really nice. I hope you catch big fish on it. I'll even borrow one if you let me borrow, but I am not buying them. <laughs> That's funny. I catch, I catch like 10, 12 inches on that, you know, that Johnny rat, the big one. I think it's like, I don't know, from head to tail, like 11 or 12 inches long or something Jeez. like that. And you catch, literally catch nine, 10, 11 inch bass on that thing. It's crazy. That's insane. How much money did you spend on swim baits and, Soft plastic swim baits at Gunnersville Tackle Outdoors and Scottsboro Tackle while you they were down here. Good stuff. I don't know, man. Oh, yeah. My my accountant can probably tell you that. But, uh, <laughs> there, it was a lot. It was. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah, I can't go in Scottsboro You tackle. know what I mean? And it's like, oh, I need one of those. Oh, I don't. You can't find these in the north. Yeah. So you buy eight of them. You know what I mean? And then you know, and then everybody else that's with you buys eight of them. And then there's a pile of them in the. Yeah, I mean. I get out of control sometimes. Yeah, no, you, but. especially like at uh, at GTO, Gunners will tackle is they have everything, literally. and they have everything that is all awesome. the good stuff. <laughs> the stuff you never see anywhere else. Like you go in there, it's like I've only seen this online. Like I didn't even yep. know this this existed out in the wild. Like this is a real babe. They had the last time I was in there. They even had like a little post-it note on stuff like as seen online. Or like as seen in so and so's video, and I was like, "Y'all are dirty. Wow. Y'all gotta get them." Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I bought I bought some one ounce Spro frogs when I was there. I mean, they're like that long. Yeah. And I, I didn't catch nothing on them, but I, I got them. The I got two or three of them. You know? <laughs> I don't uh, know what what I would ever do with that, but so here here's a quick one. Uh, we can't discuss the actual lakes because it's unofficial. But I know a lot of people, uh, Chad Hoover, he released, unofficially released some the lakes for the KBF for 2020. Uh, haven't looked at them. The couple of things they're not going to do, and everybody knows this, there's not going to be regions. It's only going to be 10 tournaments, but each one is two different days. So if you fish, you know, you have to have three, toward, three goes towards AOY. Do y'all like the way they're going with that, getting away from the different regional things, or is that a negative? I mean, I don't. Uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say you go ahead because I hadn't even really uh, <laughs> finalized a thought on it. Um, man, it's. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of them. I know, like off the air, we were, we were mentioning a few of them. The, there was only one that really stood out to me because when I think when I hear these tournaments, like I care just as, as much about the location as I do uh, just about the, the week of the year that's going to happen due to the bass migration. I like to know what the fish are doing. I like fishing the first half of the year, the second half of the year. I, I struggle usually. So like the, if I can find one that's within that right week or two around the, the moon phase or something, and it's on a fishery that I kind of know what's going on there. Like those are the ones I get excited about. And if we're not supposed to mention actual lake names, I'll, I'll say this much then I grew up in Florence, Alabama and the week that there may or may not be an event out of there is about 
as good as you can ask for, um, barring any like really bad like spring rains or something. So that's definitely that's about one to say that, uh, if it is if the rain will stay out this year. Yep. Because we've had two yep. years at that time that it has been bad rains, yep. bad floods. If think, it'll hold off this year, I I think I can put up a show into that one. That's and good what for that me. water level does too around that time, you know, that's right when that, when that water starts coming up around first week of April and uh, depending on what that rain, you know, that's the, those are to me the biggest factors that can either make or break your game plan. But yeah, yeah. Tennessee river last the end of, end of March, early April, anywhere in the Tennessee river is a good place to be in my opinion around that time. Yeah. See, I'm the other way. Like I want all the Creek, all the moving water guys to be blown out of the creeks. Because <laughs> I'm a lake guy, like I, I don't want to go back in the creek. So I, I would prefer like May, that first offshore. You know, that's first my wave. Yeah, out there, they'll eat anything, and they get grouped up before they get smart in the summer. Oh, that late, late May. Oh, that's just magic on the Tennessee River. That's my like. People say spawn. Yeah post-spawn, whatever it is, that's my favorite time, that early summer, late. Yeah. That's yeah, it. I definitely, that's probably when I honestly do better during that because, like, like you're saying how they group up out there, that's when we start finding them in our little little hidden gems that we have. Oh, really? Yeah. that You, you get them kind of early, and then it holds out. The hotter it gets, the better it gets back there. And then this time of year right now is when I just can't figure anything out out there. You know, it just, it just goes, well, the, you know, the water goes, they drop the water, all the creeks get real low. And then like some of our areas they use as a duck hunting land and they, they flood it. So like, like I've seen a million lures by this time of the year, you know, the fish are the most pressured the, like by the end of summer, early fall, that's, they've seen every lure. They're all conditioned. They've seen it in all depths. Like that's, oh, it's even worse when you, you know, that people you know have been out there right in front of you throwing what you're throwing. Like that was what was going through my head yesterday when I was trying to throw something together at the last minute was like, you could see the streaks through the mats. And I was like, well, I guarantee you, I know who's been here. I know what they've been throwing. They were probably here last mm-hmm. night and wrecked them. So I yeah. shouldn't be here. Like, <laughs> is there, I, there- I, it, how do you think I, and maybe we can get Steve to answer us if he's still watching. Or any of the, it seems like from what Chad said, if you're a KBF member and you watch the video, that they don't, they're working really hard. AJ, Steve, and, and Chad, they're working hard to not overlap. There's going to obviously be every now and then where there's a little bit of conflict, but I, I got to say in Chad's videos, I mean, I don't know Chad, so he doesn't care what my opinions are of him. But I've been really impressed. Like the last two videos, he has seemed really calm and measured and very professional, I guess. Not that he's never ever unprofessional. He just kind of seemed like a grown-up Chad. And I was like, I, I'm really impressed. I, I, again, I'm not putting him down. I, I mean that in a positive way. Sure, this video yeah, yeah. has really been like, like he has got, you know, he's got it together. Like he's got this figured out. He seems calm. I've been really impressed with Chad in the last two videos. And The only thing I can say about it is we'll see, you know, like, Sounds good now broke his hand. I don't know how he broke his hand. I do, I do, and I think that's kind of a 
It's, it's, it's driving story. Public. Copy that. All right. <laughs> Off I just figured with him, it'd probably be a good story. I'll, I'll get it, it out of It's a very good private. story. If if, okay. if right. you can talk to him privately, you'll laugh about it. All right. Good deal. I know okay. I did for quite some time. All right. Good. Yeah. But, hey, you know, so I'm, I'm excited that him and the other, you know, oh, here we go. We're getting a little Steve info. Do, 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 do. Breaking the <laughs> <laughs> If there are any overlaps, they should be far apart geographically. Right. Uh, and maturation comes our entire lives. I'll tell you what, that is, that's absolutely right. I, I think Steve we all, he is, he is <laughs> absolutely. He's like the, uh, I don't know. I, I won't say, it, but he's, he's a great guy. We're lucky to have him, but well, no, Derek, I, Derek, we didn't get to ask you on your opinion on it. What do you think about like the no region thing and the 10 yeah. events only? Yeah. So at first I was like, oh man, he doesn't care. I, yeah, I mean, I know it's funny. I don't care about a lot of things, but this is definitely one of the things that I care about. Um, you know, besides my family hunting and fishing is all I do. So, um, yeah, at first I was like, oh man, I don't know if I really like this, but after talking to Chad about it quite a bit and talking to some of the other guys and the, the rationale behind doing what he's doing um, really is a, is a couple things that I'm seeing unfold now. I mean, it, having no more regions coming from a guy that won in, uh, you know, an AOI for my Northeast region, I'm kind of bummed that I'm not going to have an opportunity to do that and, you know, take it back from Ken Wood. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it kind of does two things. It kind of makes everybody, level on that same playing field you know whether i'm coming down south or you're coming up north or wherever the trail schedule leads um but it does another thing as well and it opens up the opportunity for partner trails to kind of take over that regional type of deal and you can still fish in your region and, and do well on that like for instance jason gardner and ken wood came up with an incredible northeast partner trail i mean they've got some crazy lakes on there um i i'm just gonna say them because i think i can say them i don't know why i couldn't but uh they're gonna do like cayuga up in new york um they do lake winnipesaukee uh Mesolonsky up in maine uh, whatever that crazy named one is in new jersey hapticong or whatever it is um They've got some incredible lakes on their lineup for that. And I mean, it just kind of fills that void of, you know, people saying that there's too much to travel, you know, a long ways to go and do the KBF schedule if you live up here in the Northeast. And it's our own fault for being stupid and living up this way. But, um, <laughs> you know, that that's, that's something that I saw right away as a positive. Like, it gives another opportunity for growth in the kayak sport. Um, the kayak space to get another trail out there and you can still qualify for a lot of the kbf stuff obviously through that trail so did you lose a region yeah but you, now you're gaining something else you know what i mean so in my opinion i think it, it's going to be better this year um i'm still up in the air about the whole two one day events um i had an issue with it last year 
And and what my issue was, they've gone and solved, or what I think they've gone and solved this year, because a lot of guys would wait till Saturday night to see how many people would sign up for Sunday, because they'd have a better chance of winning if they only fished against 30 dudes rather than 80 or 130. You know what I mean? Right. Um, So now, you know, I think that they're going to do something like, you know, you have to sign up for both by Wednesday or something if you're going to do it. Um, So that that helps to eliminate that whole, I'm going to wait till Sunday because I have a better chance. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I know we can't discuss the trail, but I mean, I think it looks great from what I saw and I'm really excited for it. Absolutely. I, I think honestly, like scaling it back a little bit is going to be an excellent move for them. It, it oh, seems absolutely. like they were just yeah. trying to do too much. I mean, and it's not not hating on them for doing it. I mean, you get when you have success, you you expand, and then sometimes before you know it, it's just out of hand. And I, like you said, I think getting rid of the regions but bringing in something else is a killer idea because mm-hmm. it same thing like Steve just said with the Bass Nations and doing it on state level, like Bassmaster's doing the national thing. And then we're setting up, you know, I'm doing it for Alabama. I, we're setting up state level stuff so that we can have stuff down here. That's just big time, but kind of an in-between. And like you said, a, something to fill the gap. So I'm excited to see next year. Hopefully the COVID stuff goes away probably after the election, if I had to take a wild random <laughs> guess, but uh, I want to see everything kind of blow up. You know, I had huge plans for this year and then, I think everybody did, and it, everything just kind of spiraled downhill in a ball of fire. <laughs> so it, it's it seems like he's going simpler, which is great. Yeah, it's 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 not. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we can do, and we want to do it and do it well. And and I I think that's been the missing link for a lot of people for KBF. And there's nothing wrong with your eyes getting big and yeah. And if they can, if they can pull it off and and figure out how to run how to do everything you know, top notch and have less issues. I I think they're going to get more participation rather than less. So yeah. they OG man. Everybody wants KBF to be around. We want all three. They're all great for own reasons. Uh, well, here's, but I say that then at the same time, they also posted today that the possibility of trying to get everybody's input on two motors. So yeah, I saw something about that. Yeah, do you, what do y'all think about KBF possibly allowing two motors? So, like, you know, rather you have the, you know, Torquedo in the back, do you want to add that XI3 to front? And, no. and Derek, you can put that Torquedo on the back of the Pursuit. Um, Personally, I can't, but, um, I, you know, I think that, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, everybody knows I'm a huge you know, advocate for the motors on the kayak and the yeah. industry. Um, and I'll, and I'll make no, you know, I'll pull no punches about that, but I think two might be excessive. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I also think that with that will come innovation and, and some other different, maybe kayak designs that might be, you know, I don't know, afforded an opportunity from something like that, but I, I would say no. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's weird. Like sometimes I'm, I'm thinking like, yeah, I mean, that would be cool, but w- what really would be the point? I guess you could use like an 1103 on the back to get the super hyper speed to wherever you're going. And then, you know, we all know that they don't have 
you know, either if you're using a hummingbird spot lock or a pinpoint GPS if you're using a motor guide. But um, so I can see wanting one of those in the front. I mean, I'll never take mine off. I'm setting up a whole different boat just to go and fish some of these Hobie events next year. Um, so, um, but I don't know. In my opinion, I think, I don't know. I don't I'm up in the air about it. Really am. No, I, I agree with something that Adam just said is, you know, if you allow two motors, where does it stop? You know, does that lead open? Kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. For gas motors. Like, I think that there should be a, a point that we stop so that it's still kayaking. Like, cause you're just going to get to the point where it's just done in a kayak. It's not kayaking to me at that point. Like it, it just becomes excessive. You, I mean, you'll start see you'd see guys go out with no paddles at that point. You know, it's, yeah, I'm this, this I, I want to see a bunch of motors because that guy with uh, all the weight in his boat's not going to get back in the water that I'm going to get to, so he ain't going to catch my fish. So that's true. I, I I wonder. I mean, you know, I I think there needs to be a line in sand at some point of what kayaks, what makes a kayak and what doesn't. Like, and we we're only going to go up to this point. That needs to be figured out. Like maybe, hey, while while Steve Steve and uh. And and Hoover are talking. Maybe them two can figure it out because AJ he doesn't care. But you know, maybe them two can figure out. Hey, let's make a industry line in the sand. Let's do that. But I think how are if you had two motors and you you went out because all that power, how are you going to flip it back over with all the weight of the motors and all the battery? It would be unbelievably tough right if you got in a bad situation to ride it back you know to flip it over there was a lot of discussion about that and that uh, whole post there was a lot of people that brought up that exact point of you know how do you get your kayak back over with two motors hanging off that thing it's probably damn near impossible luckily if you could swim it to the shore and do it maybe but i mean how much time do you want to spend in the water too you know what i mean i mean and, and it's a might, very valid safety point. You, you you really you might not go over the manufacturers. You know the pursuit has what six hundred and fifty something crazy. The frontier uh, the pursuits, the pursuits five hundred. Yeah, the frontier That's twelve right. is six fifty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you can put a crazy amount of stuff in there, but a lot of stuff if if you flip, it's going to come out. Motors won't. So yeah, it, the debate will go on. You can check out the K, KBF page if you want. But, you know, we have, there's something new like this every year, an idea that comes up, you know, should it be allowed, you know, the blue sky motors at first, stuff like that. But it also, you look at it kind of like we do in Alabama on the locals perspective is you can have clubs that do and clubs that don't. And that'll get like in Alabama, they're very grassroots. It's paddling and pedaling. If you wanted to throw a motor on, you come fish Bass Nation with me and our guys, you know, it could be the same thing. I mean, like look at Hobie like paddling and pedaling and they get plenty of participation. If that's not your thing and you need to use a motor or you want to use a motor, you fish the other divisions. It's so it it could have a place, but I'm fully with Dan on draw a line in the sand. I think it's too much. At some point it will get so far to where you'll put so much on the boat. You'll have two motors. You'll have all this where you're going to split your, you're going to split your division. You're going to split. You're going to have to make two divisions. And then I don't think anybody wants to, you want to, you know, you might, the other end of that, you'd you be seeing like the, in one club. You'd be seeing the need for like, like we're we're trying to get price points on kayaks down. You know, that's the competitive market right now. You keep doing stuff like this, boats are going to have to get bigger and heavier, and 
mm-hmm. it just spirals out of control at that point. All right, guys. Well, it's I mean it's been an hour and almost twenty minutes. I mean we we don't want to hold you up on the East Coast. We don't want to hold you up anymore. Uh, before we go, we always like to give people a chance to shout out anybody you'd like to. Anybody that makes kayak fishing easier for you, we'll start with you, Derek. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, probably I thank my wife for letting me do this all the Amen. time. I mean, she is like. You got uh, sand on your hands letting you fish that much. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, I, she's sleeping, obviously, right now because we both get up early. But yeah, sorry, um, yeah, I mean, she is super supportive, man. It's like, she's like, when's the next one? You know, and she watches on Tony X when she can't be there. And, um, Everybody knows my dad and my mom. They watch all the time, and my daughter. Um, so I have a very supportive family. I'm very thankful for them. And then, of course, I couldn't do it without my sponsors, you know, like New Canoe. I mean, they are – Blake and Everett are top-notch, man. They they pretty much give me all the insight and all the, uh, you know, all the support I could possibly ask for. Um, and Motor Guide, I mean, we we're talking about motors and stuff like that. I mean – that motor guide on the front of that thing is money, if you ask me. I mean, that thing is bar none my favorite part of kayaking. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, exotic high-performance rods, I mean, those guys have put some incredible rods in my hand, and I have a very close relationship with Rob over there, and we spend at least an hour on the phone every day designing an R&D and talking about how we can do things better. Um, yeah, they're top notch man i love that i love those rods and uh amped outdoors man i they keep me powered up with whatever i need um throughout the year man and then matt over there is incredible um customer service is incredible over there so yeah man those four sponsors have really you know put me on the map so i know a huge shout out to them and and basically you know like guys like yourselves um helping to spread the kayak word you know what i mean it's just like incredible you know yeah everybody over there you. the the anglers i mean it's it's been incredible man i mean coming into this i guess as a i'm not young but as a youngster in this space i mean for the last couple of years i've been you know pretty fortunate to be accepted by a lot of people and a lot of people you know are, are very forthcoming with information and very helpful um uh, you know some guys are reached out you know if you ever have any issues you can come stay at my house if you want to pre-fish during the year whatever you know um, so i'm thankful for that i mean this is it's incredible and this sport just keeps growing the way it does that um i'm happy to be a part of it heck yeah well you're definitely doing it right i know you've answered questions for me in my pursuit so i, I appreciate it too you know so Adam, anytime yeah how about you adam Hey, Derek, congrats on, on a really good year, especially wrapping up at Gunnersville with, you know, you're doing so well. It's really impressive, man. It's been really cool to see your name, like, at the, at the top of so many of those tournament standings. Uh, hope to get to fish with you here someday soon. But, yeah, really really good fishing this year, man. It's impressive. I appreciate um, it. Thank you. Uh, did you know, by the way, I'll, I'll make it quick since we're running out of time here. Uh, do you, I'm pretty sure you ran into my buddy Nick Hood out on Gunnersville. I did, yeah. We launched at the same place every morning, and unfortunately, I watched this kayak break every morning. 
Well, because of you, according to what he told me, I think he just he's now in a new canoe. So yes, yep. You can tell your higher ups in new canoe that you're you're making a difference out there with those people. They know. They um, know. They know. Yeah, <laughs> on here right, good. Yeah. Um, as far as thanking people, man, I'll, I'll tell you the only people I'll think right now is like the people that sacrifice time that is not fishing to afford the sport of fishing, the kayak fishing, the podcasters, the tournament directors. People that obviously love to fish, and, are, and many of them are incredible anglers. Like so, many of these tournament directors are some of the best anglers, and they're you know the the last ones to launch. They're if they even get to fish a tournament to begin with. So just anyone that sacrifices time to help all the other anglers, I really I, I'm super grateful for that. And like I say, whether it's like the all the the hosts and the, and the people that do paddle and fin, or uh, anyone that's just promoting the sport and forwarding it, because I still feel like we're in there's a lot of pioneering that still goes on in this sport, um, which means you're going to have road bumps and hiccups and stuff. But anyone that's doing it, burning those calories to make it happen, I thank you because I'm obsessed with bass fishing. So anyone that paves the road for me to do that, appreciate it. Very thank cool. You. Well, thanks, guys. I'm, I'm sure we got a lot. I mean, we could have went for another two hours to talk about next year and everything else. But we appreciate y'all being on, get some sleep, and uh, we'll talk to y'all again for too long. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. So we, we got a long show going here. I'll go ahead and talk about the tournaments from last week. Uh, first, we have uh, we have Fishing for Soldiers. They had their annual cha uh, charity tournament on in Knoxville. 25 anglers, Jordan Marshall. That guy, he wins so much stuff. Uh, 92 and a quarter, as buddy Eric Tomlinson. Uh, 87 and a quarter, Daniel Lyons with 87 and a quarter as well. Then you had Virginia Kayak Trail. They had their two-day classic on Chickahominy River and Lake. 22 anglers, Robert Kreisch with 85 and three-quarter. Tyler Baumgardner, 85. And Michael Sebastian Mara Hill, four-name guy with 79 inches. Carolina Kayak Anglers, Battle of the Border, two on Kerr Lake, 34 anglers. Uh, you had Nathan Green with 84 and a half. Keith McGee, 78 and three-quarter. And Charles Cruz with 75 and a half. And Queen City Kayak Fishing, uh, they had their losers event, and that's people that didn't make it to their classic. <laughs> that's an awesome idea. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, 37 anglers, they always they do a four fish limit. Stephen Stockinger, uh, 62. I'm sorry if I mess up everybody's name as possible. I'm, I blame the Mississippi public school systems. But uh, 62 and three quarter, Holden Russell in second with 60 and three quarter, and Gustavo Benitez with 54 and three quarter. That's a cool uh, name. Yeah, Gustavo. Gustavo. Uh, Coleman Kayak Anglers had their classic on Duck River Reservoir. 14 anglers. And I think Jesse Halverson, he has a club and he leads that thing just so he can take everybody's money off. I've told him that he should, they should all like, they should like strike against him fishing. Like I at <laughs> least got it to where he lets me judge the fish most of the time now. I was like, dude, you can't run the tournament, score the tournament, fish the tournament, win the tournament. It's like it's just not fair. Like, <laughs> but uh, I mean, everything's on the up and up. We're we're not saying that like in a negative way. Uh, he's he's a great guy. And I am. What you gonna do, Jesse? <laughs> uh, seventy nine and a half. Uh, Brandon Basher with seventy nine and a quarter, and Luke Turner, old Luther with seventy and a half. I love Dude, that Luke. Guy. Is a like straight up like yeah. hidden hammer, and he fishes out of that popsicle vibe. <laughs> <laughs> the star pop, the red, white, it and does blue. look like a popsicle, too. 
decag. So preposterous. Uh, Missouri Bass Nation, they had their, I put statue champion, state championship. I, I can't spell either. It was on Table Rock, 38 anglers. Brandon Prince with 82 inches. Troy Anke with 78. And Jared Fosnell with 77 and three quarter. Moyak had their Missouri state championship on Table Rock as well. 57 anglers, two day event. Brandon Prince with 162, Troy Anke with 160, and Dorman Hughley, Huey with 158, and those two were in conjunction, those two tournaments. Three more, uh, four more here. Oklahoma kayak anglers had their championship on Lake Texoma, two days, 48 anglers. Jason Ray would, and I must not have gotten the two-day number, so Jason Ray won, Rusty Helm second, and Randy Creason and third. Hopefully that's right. I might have just looked at day one. I'm sorry. Uh, it's Oklahoma, though. They don't have their net out there. And uh, Kayak mm -hmm. Angler Association Arizona had their championship on Roosevelt Lake, 12 anglers. Eugene Hassey with 81 and three-quarter. Mark Hatzel, 79 and three-quarter. And Mario Galevez with 77 and a quarter. Then you had Kayak Fishing Northwest. They had their classic, and that's a old forte up there. Uh, thank God that dude kept his house. I was feeling, I was worried about him. But uh, on 10 Mile Lakes in Oregon, 17 anglers, Joseph Christie, 79 inches, James Davis, 76 and three quarter, and Brandon Allison with 71. And last but not least, shout out to a club we've never talked about, Urban Anglers of Los Angeles. They had a trail. It was on five different lakes. And it's like a thing where they're having a few different tournaments and you can only fish the same one twice. Uh, 30 ang in all the different tournaments. 30 anglers, and it's kind of a Slay Nation deal where it's you can use kayak, float tube, or fish from the shore. So uh, Victor Young won with 79 and three-quarter. Alberto Flores with 77 and a half. And Jonathan uh, DeMonet with 69 and a half. Same, it really looked like the fishing was tough. It's, it's nice to know that people are getting out and fishing out there. The only thing you hear about L.A. is like how ridiculous it is. It's like when you hear most things from Florida is retarded and crazy. Same yeah. thing with L.A. We actually talked about that with Russ this weekend when uh, Russ and Adam and everybody were hanging out with us. We were, I was talking about, I was like, you know, the people I've met from California are great. And he's like, yeah, it's really just LA. That's bad. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Uh, as always, we had two great guests. Thanks again to Adam and Derek for being on and yeah, thanks to everybody listening. And we'll talk to you all again next week. Make sure to wear your PFDs. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, in Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, in Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.